Lord, we thank you for who you are. It's why we're here. God, I pray that uh, we would hear only what you want us to hear tonight. There are many of us that are here with different circumstances, some filled with hope, some not. But I pray as we leave this place this evening, we would leave with greater hope than we, uh, when we arrived. So Lord, we pray your blessing. We pray that you're honored in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to tell you a quick story before we get into the word tonight. Uh, when I was 20, I think it was about 20 years old, I was in my sophomore year at school uh, in college in Philadelphia, and I had just gotten through uh, finding out that I had diabetes and almost died, and there was all this crazy stuff going on, and so my, my homing beacon for home was heightened. I missed my family, I missed my friends, and my best friend and I were going to drive from Philadelphia to California. And there was nothing that was going to get in my way of getting to the ones that I loved the most. Nothing. I didn't want to stop. I didn't want to sleep. I just wanted to get home. We were going to drive straight through. We were in this little Toyota Tracel. Yeah. I mean, the Flintstones had it better than we had it. I mean, it was bad. And we had this, this soft top U-Haul carrier and straps coming through the car, and in the front seat, they put your head back against the seat. You couldn't move your neck, so anytime we wanted to talk, we could only look straight forward. And we were determined, we were determined to make this under two days. We were going to get there. And so we were speeding across the country, and weird thing after weird thing would happen. But again, nothing was going to stop us from getting to our goal. And that was to be with the people that we love. Nothing was going to get in the way. And I remember we stopped at this gas station late at night. And we pulled up next to the wrong vehicle. And there's all kinds of people that are out in the middle of nowhere at that time at night. And this guy, as I'm filling up the tank, starts asking me creepy questions. He starts asking, where are you going? Ah, like that. And he's grunting. <laughs> How long have you been driving? You know, what's your, you know, all these weird questions. And my buddy's like, we need to get out of here. We need to get out of here. We need to get out of here. And I'm like, he's standing right there. He can hear you. <laughs> so he's like, nonetheless, let's go, let's go, let's go. So we hop in the car and we drive out as fast as we can. And the guy follows us. Now, remember, we can't move our necks. So I just see him in the rearview mirror and he's getting closer and I've seen way too many horror movies to know what was going to happen next. I'm driving in the wrong side of traffic to lose him and scoot over to the next, you know, and finally I get off this exit and he passes because I totally broke the law. <sighs> so we're like, okay, we survived, but we got to keep going no matter what happens. That was our mantra. We were living on energy drinks and Slim Jims. That's all we had. <laughs> And we kept going. Now we hit about, I think we hit the Arizona-New Mexico border. It's 4 a.m. And I am sitting there and I can smell California. I can smell it. And after you've driven that far, Arizona to California is not that far. And you can smell it. And so I'm going and all of a sudden, 
four in the morning, I see elephants running alongside the vehicle, just coming in front of me like this, and then disappear. And as they disappear, Bambi's mother is in the middle of the road, and I slam on my brakes. My buddy goes like this against the strap. His head snaps back. I snap back. He goes, what happened? And I told him, elephants came. I had hallucinated because we had not slept. Well, more events like that happen one after the other. We finally get into California, and love is on my mind. I want to get to the people I love. I, there's nothing I will not do. And so I see the exit to my house, and I am an autopilot. I slam on the gas, and I have no idea I'm doing this. And I am just, I'm like a zombie. I'm just, and little did I know that I was following a fire jeep on call going 110 miles an hour. <laughs> Next thing I know, I've got motorcycle cops pulling me over. So I had saved up a, some money for this trip, so I had all this cash, and I'm like, I'll just give them cash right now. Not knowing that would have been bad news. So my, bu my buddy's asleep, and the next thing he knows, there's a cop that sticks his head in our car, freaks him out, freaks me out. He asks us what we're doing, where we're from. And I said, well, I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to give it a shot. We're from here, you know, going to school to be a pastor. I really love Jesus. <laughs> he goes, are you aware that you were uh, tailing a truck, a fire truck on call. I said, no, I hadn't been seeing much since New Mexico. <laughs> so he started chuckling. He said, I'll let you off with a warning, which he probably shouldn't have done. <laughs> and we finally got to my house. It was worth it. But when we looked back, we went, that was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. Here's the deal. We celebrate the birth of Christ tomorrow. We get all amped up for it. And then hopefully as Christians, what we try to do is live out the ramifications of what his birth means every single day. And what we see in that manger is someone that wouldn't allow anything to get in the way of rescuing the people whom he loves. And that's you and that's me. And he... He desperately wants every person here, and I believe this with all my heart, to know that you are seen. He sees you. That doesn't just mean, oh, he sees you. He sees you. He knows you. And he's not intimidated by your resume, what you have or haven't done. God loves us so much Scripture tells us that we, he would give his one and only son, that there would be nothing that would get in the way of the people whom he loves, who he created, his children. Nothing. And oftentimes what we do when we are strategizing, problem solving, how many love to problem solve? You like a challenge. And you have a list of ways maybe to solve that problem. And if this doesn't work, then I will try this. And if this doesn't work, I will try this. How many know what I'm talking about? And then when you find that one way, you are so excited. Let me tell you this. 
Jesus is plan A, the only plan. There's no other plan. There's no plan B. There's no plan C. There's no plan D. It is him. It is him. He is the plan. And he came in such a way. I loved that song we heard that was so quiet, so unassuming. And the people he alerted that we'll see in Luke, that we see in Luke chapter two, the shepherds on the field were people that were not really noticed. And what does God do? He sees them and he chooses to reveal Jesus' birth to them. And then they go and they glorify him. They let people know and people, it says in Luke chapter two that people are amazed at what they said and, and what they've seen. And I would, I would gather that they were probably amazed that it was shepherds that were ones that were told. And then you look at Mary and Joseph, nobodies. And God sees them. He sees Mary. He chooses them. Elizabeth, Zachariah. He sees them. He chooses them. And they were ordinary people. And every person Jesus encounters and calls are people that struggle to be seen, to be known. And then his plan A isn't just for the innocent and the righteous and the sick, but also those who have done evil to give them opportunity to know him and to know life. Look at Paul. If we really knew Paul and what he did and we saw it, we saw what he did, none of us would feel good about giving that man a second chance. But yet Jesus saw him and he saw something and he encountered him. And in that encounter, someone who had the worst resume you can think of was transformed with ever increasing glory because nothing's gonna get in the way of Jesus and the people that he loves, nobody. And then we have this powerful statement. And, and for those of you that are part of the Bridgewood family, you've heard me say this over and over and over again. In John 17, Jesus is praying publicly. He's allowing people to hear what he's about to say. And he pleads with the Father. He says to them, Lord, Lord, please, the children that you've given me, the ones you have given me, I simply want them to be where I am so they can see your glory. That's the end game. He wants you. And he sent his one and only son, which is the craziest of things, as his only plan to make sure that we stay with him. It's his only plan. How many would feel nervous if you only had one plan? <sighs> one. One plan so that we can stay with him where he is. And guess what? He fights for us every single day. Some will say, I don't see him, I don't know him. It's because we haven't learned to identify his voice. Doesn't mean we can't hear him. 
It means we're still learning, we're still growing. Well, my circumstances are hard. Yep, that won't change, even with Jesus. There will simply be hope, joy, love, grace, mercy, that will transcend our circumstances. Jesus is the Son of God, and he experienced every kind of sorrow that we can imagine. And he was still faithful. So it's not about our circumstances. It's about our trusting him, the one who sees us, who knows us, who wants us to know him. And guess what? If it's you tonight and you're sitting there and you've had distance from the Father that you, have, you feel like, well, I don't even know if I believe in him or I haven't believed in him. It doesn't matter where you are. Know this. That when we see in Scripture the prodigal son who squandered everything that his father had given him, his resume was not good. And he was desperate. And he thought if he could work as one of his father's hands, surely they get treated better than the way he was treated, and he will take that. He'll be a slave. He doesn't care as long as he can get out of the situation. And when his father sees him, he runs to him. This is not a wimpy tyrant of a God we serve. He sent his one and only son that not only sees you, but he runs to you. He doesn't just wait for you, come to me, come to me. He comes to you. So my question is tonight, do we see him? And as we do, what is our posture going to be? Because it's not about doing all these things in the name of Jesus anymore. It's about proximity and being with Jesus in such a way that the things that we do are a natural manifestation of the love of God. Does that not seem like a simpler plan? Stay with Jesus and you become like him instead of trying to become like him? How often have we said, I want to be like that person or I don't want to be like that person? Who said that one time in your life? Or we said, I want to be like my mom or dad. Or I don't want to be like my mom and dad. And either way, you can't avoid it when you're in proximity, good or bad, correct? Why? Because the more you're with someone, the more you become like them in some way, shape, or form. That's by design. So that the more that we are with Jesus, the more we become like him, so we don't have to strive to become like him. We are loved into his transformation. And that's his plan. And so when we celebrate this birth of Jesus, we celebrate one who sees us, who knows us, and wouldn't let anything get, even death, even separation from God, so you wouldn't have to experience it. Jesus experienced separation from his Father for the first time in eternity, so that you or I would never have to experience that. Even that fear would not get in his way of the ones he loved. Think about that as we leave this place tonight. No matter what we think about ourselves, we have someone who loves us so deeply, so richly, there's no other plan other than to give his life so that you can stay with him.
That is the good news. That's the gospel. That's the kingdom of God expanding. And it's simple. We spend most of our lives wanting to keep the people we love, what? With us. It's what we're designed for. It started with a walk in the garden. It'll end with a walk in the garden. It's this with presence. So as we pray tonight in closing and go into a little more worship, I want to encourage us, again, no matter what we think of ourselves, to know that he sees us and he loves us still, no matter what our resume says. And that his birth, his death, and his resurrection was for every single person in this room and beyond because he loves us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that there was no plan B. You didn't give us your second best plan, your third best plan. You gave us the best. And it's hard to receive, especially when we look in the mirror and don't like what we see. But I thank you that you're not fooled by the mirror. You're not fooled by what we think of ourselves. But you see straight to our hearts. And there are some people here tonight to know that, that need to know that you see them. You see their hurts. You see their struggles. Maybe their doubts. Maybe some of us feel numb and don't even know how to respond to the life around us. But may we leave knowing that we're seen. May we be aware of the ways in which you run to us and speak to us. And give us the courage to receive, to accept, to trust, to step out in faith and receive the love that you have for us. And I pray against that need or feeling to work our way or earn our way into love. And may we see that it is by your grace, by the fact that we're yours, that we are loved. May we receive that every day, accept that every day. And may you move from a priority to becoming our life. I thank you. We honor you. And we thank you for the gift of your son. Whom is true and good and gracious and real. May we continue and begin to see you as you see us. In Jesus' name, amen. the strength of a hurt
So mm-hmm.